on a podcast, somebody, because you're talking about a particular topic, they can tell very quickly if they like you. And throughout the podcast, they know to know and they learn to potentially trust you. And it creates curiosity about if that person is somebody that you could potentially learn more from or they have interesting content. You are listening to Amplifier Success Podcast, episode 310. And today we're going to learn from an expert how to build a business brand by leveraging a popular platform. You ready for this? Let's get started. Welcome to the Amplify Your Success Podcast. Get ready to ramp up your revenue, amplify your impact, and make your mark in the world. This is the show for experts, thought leaders, and service professionals who want to shatter their limits and achieve that next level. You're going to find out from other experts and influencers how they made it. Now, let's get amplified. Hey there, inspired entrepreneurs and business leaders. Your host, Melanie Benson here, authority amplifier for expert-based business owners. And uh, today I've got a guest joining us who's going to be answering a question that I've had and how we can leverage one of the most popular search engines and video platforms to get a steady stream of great leads and really tap into some great authority positioning media opportunities. Like this is this is a very full episode today. Now, of course, I really love whenever we get to share stories and insights and tools and resources that help you build authority. In my 22 years of being a business owner, I can tell you that that authority positioning really has a huge impact over client attraction, opportunities that come in, speaking, uh, what you can command for your rates. All of it really starts to come together in that authority positioning. So I really encourage you, if you haven't already, to head over to amplifywithmelanie.com, download the free resource, and go through each of the seven factors plus the two bonus uh, factors and really look at like where are you strong and where do you have some work to do so that you can be adding another six figures to your business in the next 12 months by leveraging other people's audiences with your message. I can't wait to hear how that works for you. Now let's get into today's episode. So let me introduce you to our special guest, Sabrina Stalker. Now she is a tennis player turned top 10 Apple News and Forbes featured entrepreneur. Sabrina has built several successful companies, mentored hundreds of entrepreneurs, and was a finalist in the BBC One show, The Apprentice, having spoken in front of thousands at arenas, including Wembley Station, the Excel Stadium, and the London Olympic Stadium. She has created a loyal community. Sabrina is the founder of Two Comma PR, a public relations agency helping turn personal brands into profits. And she's helping her clients get featured in the top publications, podcasts, TV, and speaking events. And I got to tell you, she knows how to build a brand. Sabrina, welcome to Amplify Your Success. I'm so excited to have you join us. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited for today. Well, you know, we talk a lot about building brands here and elevating the brand, amplifying the brand. I love that we're going to talk about building a profitable brand and really like kind of maybe take some of the mystery out of what is publicity and PR and, you know, like when are we supposed to use it and how does it really work? And 
when do we, you know, how, how is it going to help us build our brand and grow our brand, right? No, for sure. So why don't we start a little bit with just the idea of building a brand. And I think there's sometimes a lot of entrepreneurs, especially expert-based entrepreneurs, who feel like they are the brand. How does someone go about knowing if they need to maybe like build up their brand or fix their brand? Mm, It's a really good question. I mean, I think a brand and a personal brand are turning into some kind of synergy right now. You know the big names that have come out recently, the Hot Moses, Gary Vee, the Cardone, a lot of them built on brands. And I think that's because of the turn of social media. Because what do we like to see on social media? We like to see people, relatability, experiences, to be inspired. And for a brand to do that in itself, it's very hard. But a personal brand, you feel like you can relate to them on some level. And actually creating that synergy creates trust and it's trust which is the key element that's going to allow you to expand your personal brand to be profitable. Hmm. I'm glad you brought in the conversation of trust. Uh, I'm sure you've seen this and I'm sure you um, are helping people with this. (laughs) There are a lot of these brands who get tainted, you know, like there's so many people who don't have authentic brands. There's a lot of mistrust. There's so much noise online. Uh, Let's talk a little bit more about the importance of trust in our personal brand. Mm, I think we as consumers of content or potential clients, we can tell very quickly if we can trust somebody or not. And the first thing before we ever want to work with somebody is we're going to Google them. So actually being able to display that trust on Google is a really key element because, you know, there are unfortunately a lot of business coaches who've never run a business. There's also a lot of 21-year-old relationship coaches who have never been in a stable relationship just because they're young. And because the barriers to entry are so low on social media, just because someone's putting themselves out there doesn't mean that they're the trusted authority. And a lot of that trust comes from the experience of being able to do something, the results, but also the credibility of putting yourself out there. And one thing I'd always love to say is to put in your diary the first of every single month is to Google yourself and to Google your business and see what comes up. And when you can create that, that's when you start to create your trust online as well. Mm. I think that's such great advice uh, because we all go to Google to do our research. Hopefully you're going to Google to do your research before you make big investments and hire people. And what you see there does really have a huge impact. Um, So let's talk about what it means to build a brand. What can somebody do to start building a personal brand that's going to really help build the trust that you're talking about here? And I love this question. And the first clarification I'd say there is, is why do you want to build a brand in the first place? Because depending on the strategy depends on how you want to put yourself out there. But a great place to start is by actually sharing the experience and the knowledge that you already have on a platform that your ideal client already is. Now, to take that to the next level, 
there's so much content out there. It's very, very unlikely that someone hasn't already put out the content that you've already put yourself out. But it's the way that you clarify it and demonstrate it on social media that's going to get the attraction. I could say something exactly the same as Gary Vee, but they're going to have two very different interpretations because of the amount of authority, the amount of social reach and the credibility behind it. So it's about how you can demonstrate what you're trying to say, giving as much valuable content information based on your own experiences and not on regurgitated information that's going to create trust in the community. So it's about having an authentic message, something that's really unique to you, not just regurgitating what everybody what every other expert or authority is saying, you know, through their brand. Right. Because there's so much information out there online. And I, I used to be a tennis coach and I could say something one, two, seven different times. And the way that I say it created a different message in that person's mind. And it's the same on social media content. And sometimes it's just saying something differently compared to, for example, um, someone else in your field, which is going to get you the traction compared to them. Hmm. Yeah, um, I could go so many different directions with that, but I but um, let me just go back to something that you mentioned, and I just want to make sure we unpack that a little bit more. You said it, this all goes down to like why somebody wants to build their brand. I'm thinking, let's give people some examples of times when it's important to build up your brand, and I'd love to hear your thoughts, and I may interject a couple as well. I love this. So For me, my brand was my biggest asset. And when I went into lockdown, I was running a really successful company. We had 40 members of staff. And overnight, I completely lost all of my cash flow as all the events came. But I still had my personal brand. And with that, because people trusted me, I was able to then launch a different company, which was more current. And being able to really understand your brand isn't just for your business, for to get some more followers. Your brand is what someone says about you when you're not in the room. And it's all about the long-term play. If you want to be a big figure, unfortunately, now we do need to use social media for that because that's where everyone's attention is. So it's about how you can consistently show up online, but also not be too salesy or not talk about something that you haven't got experience in but draw upon your own experiences and see if that could potentially help someone in a very authentic way. So what I heard you say just now is that your brand becomes an asset that you can lean into, you can leverage, you can pivot as you need to, but it's really, it's, it's a trust that you develop with your community that identifies who you are and what you're about. Did I get that right? Exactly. And the more trust consistently you can build online, that then turns into your asset and you can start any business as long as you have that personal brand. Mm. So would things like consistency, uh, messaging, things like that contribute to like what people experience you as your brand? They do. And it's, it's a whole range of things. Ultimately, I kind of like to think of it as, remember in Mean Girls and you had the different tables and they had to decide what table they were going to sit on? It's the same in the business world. Who do you want to surround yourself with? Who do you want to be associated with? And if you can't find anyone, you're going to create your own table and your own rules. Because when we're building our authority online, as long as there's credibility there and as long as we can generally help somebody, and if we're not at that stage, we can maybe develop those skills to get there 
that's when you can amplify your message. But amplifying your message before you've actually been there and done it, it's just going to be fluff. And without fluff, you're not going to be able to turn it profitability. Yeah. Okay. So I'm sorry. I know I'm, I know I'm like sticking on this point a little bit, but I just want to, as our listeners are thinking about, man, like, is it time for me to build my brand? I have found people come to me who they're like, okay, Melanie, it's time for me to start my podcast, or I want to be a guest on podcast, or I want to write that book finally. And they don't have a brand. They have no brand presence. Right. And so are those t- reasons why somebody might want to use services like yours or just focus on building their brand? So they have that platform to stand on to make those other things work better. It's it's all kind of a bit of a circle, really. I would mm. say when it comes to public relations, it's it's more that the end part of that circle and bringing everything together. So if I was going to start from completely scratch and figure out, okay, I know I need to do something, but what do I need to do? The first thing would be actually to look at your role models in your industry. What have they done? What have they done well? And maybe if you still can't quite figure it out, you can always start a podcast. You can always try and talk about it and then you'll be able to find your voice. It's not something that you can sit down for an hour in a coffee table and figure out who your brand's going to be. It's going to be continually adapting, but it's where you can share your journey of For example, if you're a startup entrepreneur, what's that journey like? And going through that journey is your personal brand rather than being a stop and start. Mm. I'm glad you uh, got a little deeper in that because uh, I didn't know that. I think that's such a great example or suggestion of how to start like tapping into what is your brand supposed to be about. So what are some of the mistakes that people make when building their brand? Oh, I love this question. And hopefully there won't be mistakes in a week's time once everyone's implemented them. The first one is ensuring that you have a personal website with your full name in the domain. It's very quick and easy to do. You don't have to, and it's pretty much ranks when you type it into Google. It's a very easy fix that will help with all of your social media endorsements, help you get press placements. But most importantly, you're creating the story. What happened when I went on The Apprentice is I didn't have any of this ready. And the media and the journalists decided what they wanted to write about me. Whereas if I actually created the narrative in the first place, maybe they would have taken that narrative and used that instead. The second, I would say, is trying to be the next Gary Vee in the next two months. Because we forget sometimes and we're overcritical to ourselves that a lot of these big content creators have big content creation teams that are driving them. So actually over-comparisizing us and thinking it's not perfect, which stops us to start putting us out there, actually is a big hesitancy. So thinking, okay, I know I need to start somewhere. I'm gonna choose one platform with one medium. And the third biggest mistake I'd say is actually when it comes to the press, and let's pretend you've been featured in some really big press articles, There's a big fallacy in the industry that press is going to give you tons of leads, but it's actually the way that you implement press, which will give you the leads. For example, adding it into your LinkedIn banner or your email signature or your signature in your emails, that's going to actually bring you in the leads rather than expecting everything to come for you. Mm. That's such great advice. And I, I was very excited that I, I actually had overcome mistake number one uh, organically about 10 years ago. I moved my entire That's presence great. to MelanieBenson.com. I was like, oh, cool. I, I've avoided the first mistake there. So those are super handy. Um, so 
let's talk about like, let's take the brand a little bit bigger. Like I think when we, for most of people who are expert-based entrepreneurs, the idea of getting media attention is out there. But what's real and true for them is like, how is my brand going to bring me clients? How is it going to help me attract opportunities? You mentioned to me YouTube Live when we were in the green room a little bit. I'd love to hear like, what are some of the ways you're helping people tap into leads through, uh, you know, different ways that they can build their brand platforms? Mm, I love this question and I love YouTube as a whole. And this is a very specific strategy that we could create that allows you to actually turn your content into somewhat like of a TV show. So imagine that your content's all out there and that could be your podcast um, onto YouTube and 70% of podcast users come from YouTube or it could be potentially your content creator and wanting to put yourself out there. But one of the biggest problems we have as entrepreneurs is time. There's never enough time. So how do we reutilize all the assets that you already have, that you've already built and spent time, money and trying to get that perfected into actually creating something new? So putting all of this content onto a decentralized server that we built, looping it, and then putting it onto YouTube allows the YouTube algorithm to think you're always live and it pushes that content. But then it also means that you're constantly on the homepage of all your subscribers. You're able to rank for different names. Last week, I ranked for Alex Harmozy as number two. I've ranked number one for Elena Cardone and Phil Jones, and I'm taking all their traffic. So if you can do this for a highly competitive name in your industry, you're actually able to traffic hack all that traffic and bring it over to your channel. Mm. And that's been a very interesting and new lead generator. Mm. Wow. So YouTube's a little bit of a mystery to me. I feel like I've been on for YouTube since the inception, but I've never really like dug in and really maximized YouTube. So that is such a great strategy. And I, you know, YouTube live, if you're not, if you're not capitalizing on it properly, it, you know, it's, I, I've heard that it can work against you. So what a, what a clever and innovative way to tap into YouTube live. Thank you. It took a while to build, but we got there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's entrepreneurship, right? Resilience. Like get focused on the outcome and then, you know, like work your butt off to figure out how to get there. Um, how important is it for us to get our brand or our name or our tips in major publications like Forbes? This is a really debatable question because when I came into the PR industry, I did not like it at all. I was paying my PR agent at the time £3,000, which I think now is about $3,000 anyway. Um, and that was, you know, one month I'd get into a blog, the next month a speaking gig, the next month publication. And I thought, I don't understand this. If I want to get somewhere, then how long is it going to take? How much is it going to cost? What do I do? And what are the action plans to get there? So we kind of flipped the script of PR. And we found that, you know, Forbes don't come knocking on your door asking for an amazing story because in a really nice way, we're very small compared to them. And we can have the most amazing business, but if we've got no grand credibility, they're never going to find us. So how do we get ourselves into these big publications and, and why should we care? A lot of the time, it really comes down to creating that online trust. So when I see someone's been featured in Forbes, if there's, you know, I'm going to automatically have a level of credibility. Oh, they must have been able to achieve something good because it's a big publication. And a great analogy is no matter your opinions, 
on Trump. If you saw somebody walking down the street with Trump, you'd automatically think that that was a person of influence, that we should care about them. And it's exactly the same when it comes to the press. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like we're borrowing the authority and the credibility of the platform, whether it's Forbes or Inc. or whatever, uh, entrepreneur.com. And it's kind of accelerating our, our influence building and our authority positioning and that trust, as you mentioned earlier. Mm, and there's a few really clever tactics that I think take press to the next level. So one of them is creating a piece in a credible publication, which is your biggest objection. So for example, this is the biggest objection that's stopping people become a client or stopping you close. Using that piece of credible uh, PR, you then put it in the email before they jump on a call with you. So you actually use the credibility and your objection handling that objection, and that objection then doesn't come up on the call because they've already, assuming they've opened it, had the opportunity to answer that objection. Another mm. really clever idea was when you're hiring, if for example, you're trying to get some new talent, if you then have press articles saying about why you're such a good company to work with, or why specifically you really invest into your team, then you include that particular PR article on the uh, recruitment that you're trying to get out there, again, that's going to get you higher level of talent. So it's really about creating these clever ideas to actually increase the amount of impact you're creating from PR. Mm, I love it. Great tip. Okay. Uh, You mentioned that you help your clients get uh, on podcasts. I'm really curious how you see the value of being a guest on top podcasts these days. And I love this question, and I'm, I'm for sure you hopefully do as well. But really, on a podcast, somebody, because you're talking about a particular t- topic, they mm-hmm. can tell very quickly if they like you. And throughout the podcast, they know to know and they learn to potentially trust you. And it creates curiosity about if that person is somebody that you could potentially learn more from or they have interesting content. And because the person running the podcast, their audience listeners already love the podcaster. And we listen to five podcasts a week. So that is one of their five people they look up to. You're also having that instant trust because that podcast has brought you on. So I think it's a very impactful tool to build your brand and build your message, providing you know what you're talking about. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you said what you just said, because a lot of people, especially big name celebrity type entrepreneurs, they're a little torn about getting their message out on podcasts. And I think that's because a podcast to me are a form of media. And I think with the media, you get that instant kind of like boost, but you're also playing a long game because people listen to podcasts for months and years after they air, right? (laughs) So um, I personally think being a guest on podcasts is one of the smartest ways we can elevate our our influence, our authority, and our credibility quickly. So I was super curious what you, how you saw as a PR person where uh, podcasts fit into the overall uh, strategy. No, I, I love them. And I, you know, incentivize anyone to put yourself out there and to share your message because you could, you don't want to be the best kept secret. And if no one knows about you and how incredible potentially your services or what you could offer, or even your free content online is, then you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah, it's true. And um, you don't know this, but you're using all my buzzwords. So (laughs) I'm like, yes, we are totally in sync here. (laughs) I love it. 
Sabrina, uh, someone's listening in right now and they're realizing, oh yeah, I really want to amplify my brand. I want to have a more profitable brand. Uh, what would be the first uh, resource they should start with you if they're going to reach out to you? Before dip diving in, I'd love to find out where are you right now? And is the right time now the right time to be investing in your brand? And thank you for bringing it up. We do have a free trusted authority checklist. So if you go to www.2commapr.com, you will be able to download that and see where exactly you fall and highlight potentially any hidden gaps in why your authority might not actually be generating you profit. Mm. Great. And if you head over to twocommapr.com, that's where they will find the trusted authority checklist. I love that. Sabrina, this is the time where I love to ask like some things to get help our audience get to know you a little bit more, the owner of this business, maybe get to know your journey a little bit better. You know, I find having interviewed I don't know, over thousands of entrepreneurs in my two decades, <laughs> there's always a moment where somebody has to make a very courageous, bold decision to continue to grow the business. What was the most courageous or bold thing you had to do to grow the success of this business? Mm. I love this. And it would probably be flipping all the typical PR on the back of its head. Because the reason why I started the company was I didn't like the existing model. And when you don't like an existing model and there's no new model, you've got to figure it out yourself. And I had that decision there to try and figure out what was happening. And that was currently retainer models, no certainty, no clarification to figuring out a model of, okay, this is the pathway to get there. And that was a big block because I thought, if no one's done this before, maybe there's a reason why, maybe it doesn't work. But actually being one of the first to put it out in this way, it did give me a massive exponential growth in the company. Hmm. What a great example of thought leadership too. It's like, if you don't like what is happening, you know, flip it on its head, do the opposite, like find your antagonist approach and do that and do it really well, right? Like what a brilliant model. Thank you. And it's, it's, a, it's a good opportunity as well. If there's any anyone not knowing what they want to do, find out the weaknesses of a certain area and be the company that solve the weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is one of the things that I think opens up collaboration opportunity too amongst competitors is find the problem that your competitor creates and solve it, right? Like, mm -hmm. and, and like, you're not doing the same thing. And this opens up collaboration and access to an instant pool of prospects. Normally, not always, but normally. <laughs> I love it. What is one thing that you wish you would have done sooner? Mm, for me, it would have been to start earlier. So I grew my first six-figure uh, six business when I was 22 years old. And there was a big hesitancy for me expanding because I was told I was too young. Um, at that time, I was one of the only females in the tennis business. And my first business was in the tennis. And I got told that I should finish my MBA first. And that stopped me. And maybe if I'd have just tried it two, three years earlier, then I would have been ahead. So for me, that was really believe in yourself and never say that you're too young or you're too this or too little that. 
because you are only the only person who's stopping you get ahead. You know, I have people, clients say, I'm too old, I'm too this, I'm too that. You've just given such great inspiration to people to get out of your head and do the thing that you're feeling called to do. Age is not the factor. Your mind is. And if you can believe in yourself and you can believe in it, you can figure out how to do it. Sabrina, thank you so much for sharing some insightful opportunities to not just build a brand, but to amplify it. You're more than welcome. And thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure joining you on the show today. Thanks for tuning in today, Amplifier. Be sure to join us right now in the Amplify Your Authority community at authorityamplifiers.com. And I'll share my seven proven tips to be a highly paid expert that stands out in a crowded market. Plus, we're going to keep this conversation going. And I want to hear from you how you're going to amplify your authority and make a greater impact. Before you go, please take a minute to give our show and our guests some love over on your favorite podcasting platform. Subscribe, rate, and review. Leave your full name and I'll spotlight you and your authority on social media. 